Hey, everybody. You know, Mark and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, heal betrayal trauma, and reclaim your relationship. And we've poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and the tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you've done on your journey for healing and recovery, you've never done anything like this. You know, Mark and I, we've made all the mistakes, so you don't have to. Don't reinvent the wheel. We all know tomorrow never comes. Look, don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Hey, everybody. Steve Moore and Mark Castleman here on the PBSE podcast. Good to be with you today. I uh, hope you guys are having a, having a fabulous day, whatever you're up to. Uh, today, we've got a really cool topic that we're excited to talk about, and we're going to open this up with uh, a letter. Uh, we keep getting more and more responses from you listeners and always appreciate those a lot and try to guide this podcast in a way that help, is helpful to you. So we're going to read that real quick and, and hit on some good stuff. Uh, here's, uh, here's what we got this week. Hello, I'm a huge fan of your podcast, and I've been listening to it since Steve spoke with us at a retreat. Thanks for all you do. I'm a betrayed wife who loves your perspective from the addict's point of view. It has softened my heart and helped me to know what my husband is thinking and doing because he can't always put it into words. I was wondering if you guys might have done, a, done or do a podcast on staying stuck in trauma. I've been going to a support group for a year since my discovery, and just recently, the tone has changed. Everyone seems to be focusing on the pain, bitterness, and negativity instead of hope and healing. My therapist said sometimes people like to stay stuck in their own pain because it benefits them in some way. Can you explain this? I thought the end goal was to be happy and functioning your life again. Do I have the end goal wrong? Is there an end goal? And what do you do when your meetings become more negative due to one or two people dominating discussions with anger and bitterness? Thank you. So, uh, wow. Well, first of all, we appreciate the, the response, uh, listener and looking at that, there's a lot of questions in there. So we're going to recognize that we're probably not going to be able to totally flesh all those out, but it does bring up a topic that's been on Mark and my Mark and I's mind for a while now. Um, and that is, is this concept that you mentioned of, of getting stuck in the pain. Um, we did a podcast a few months ago, uh, or several, uh, four, six episodes ago, somewhere in there. Uh, that talked about uh, kind of getting caught in a victim mode uh, in different areas of recovery. 
And sometimes when when uh, clients will refer to being stuck, it, we they that can be kind of a reference to adopting or getting pulled into a victim mentality and staying there. But oftentimes the reasons behind that aren't as simple as I'm caught in a victim cycle. Um, there are a lot of things that contribute to getting stuck uh, when it comes to uh, being stuck in the pain. And so we want to talk about that today. And, and we want to really have this be a, a heart-to-heart conversation with, with especially you spouses today. Uh, men, we, we're glad you're listening in. Um, and we will be addressing you directly at the end. I mean, this is always, as always, this is a podcast for everybody. But, uh, but we are going to speak a lot to you, you wives out there who, who uh, struggle with, with this being stuck in the pain, both in a group setting, but also possibly in your other relationships. And I would say probably very likely in your other relationships. Yeah, this is a topic that's really dear to our hearts. Uh, and, and we really want to reach out to the women listening today. Uh, because we, you know, it's a soft place for Steve and I because of what we put our own lives through. And the women that we work with every day in our practices, uh, it's, just, it's just a big part of the motivation behind what we do. But, but you guys too, you know, as you're listening, Steve and I are going to express things that we've learned along the way in our own recovery and in our own abilities to help our wives through their healing. So uh, this is going to be really important for you to, to listen as we share, you know, how this has evolved for us. Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the things, Steve, you and I talked about before the podcast was uh, this, you know, this concept of being stuck in our pain. It's really common. Yes. We're not unusual when we find ourselves in that place. Uh, It it happens to virtually everyone. And it it, there's it's really uh, it's very normal. And here's what happens, you know, early, early in the stages of trauma you know, we get into recovery, we get into healing, we start traveling down the, down the path. And sometimes there's this tendency to want to put it all on this neat little linear line. Yes. Here's what you do now. Here's what comes next. Here's, here's what you'll feel after that. And it doesn't work that way. Right there. One of the, one of the big things that I, I see, I, I went through this myself and so did my wife. You know, we go through stages of grieving there's a grieving process, both for addiction recovery and betrayal trauma healing, because we begin to realize what we have lost. We start to get a, re- a real reality about truths that we haven't faced or didn't even know about from the past. And you literally go through this mourning process. And that's really painful. And there are stages to it. And part of that, one of the stages is, you know, what we would call healthy venting. Yes. I finally have the chance to speak my truth. Yeah. And so there, so we, we would never want to suggest that in group settings or, or as couples or wherever it might be, there is a place for this letting it all out and, and, and very, a very normal part of the process. Absolutely. You know, so let's, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's talk about um, how you can do this in a healthy way. You know, this person wrote in that, of course, a group can get carried away in the expressions of that pain, and it can, you know, seem to go on and on and on. But, but how is it done in a healthy and, and constructive way to help all of us go forward? Uh, and I've noticed, and this was true for me, and, and for so many I've worked with, part of the challenge is we don't feel like we have a voice. Yeah. We don't yeah. feel like we have a voice. And even if we do start to discover our voice, 
we never learned how to really express that voice. Absolutely. You know, um, in fact, you know, I, I could take a, a second and just uh, describe how that went for me. Um, so I, I had a lot of uh, trauma, uh, a, a lot of betrayal, a lot of abuse in my early life as I was growing up. And what I learned was that if I ever dared to express the pain that I was feeling, if I dared to mention, especially to the adults around me, the injustices that I was seeing, wait, what you just said or did wasn't fair. It wasn't right. Here's how I feel about it. If I dared to do that, I was shut down immediately. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I was, in fact, I was punished for it. How dare you speak to me? I'm your, you know, I'm your mother, or I'm your father, or I'm whoever. And so I learned that you don't, you don't dare to do that. Uh, and it became a, it became a matter of self-survival of, of safety, of protecting myself. So my voice was silenced very early uh, at a very young age. And, uh, and, and whenever I would get up enough courage or I would, I would, I would feel enough injustice where I've had, I'd had enough and I would dare to express it, here would come the hammer down on me. So I just learned, you just don't do that. You just, you handle it, you try to do the best you can, but you're never going to be given the opportunity for a safe environment where you can really speak what's inside you. Well, and I love, Mark, how you're talking, I appreciate you sharing, and I, and I love uh, what you're talking about in terms of this being a survival mechanism, right? Oh, yeah, right. I think that's a case for a lot of our listeners. It's this, and this, and again, we want to help kind of normalize this issue. It's really easy sometimes, I think, either in a group setting or just even, you know, in one-on-one -on -one therapy or, or more commonly couples therapy when you're there with a spouse, right? It, it's easy when we don't look at the whole context to look at somebody who, who is expressing, you know, pain or frustration around the same situation seemingly yet again or the same issue or the same whatever. And to, and to look at that and just say, geez, why aren't you just moving on, right? Why aren't we just moving forward? Yep. But there's a, but, but it's important to recognize that, that there is a real, for many of us, there's a real lacking of, of tools, right? Of skills to be able to advocate for ourselves, to find a voice uh, like you, right? You, many of us, and, and I would, for different reasons, throw myself into this camp as well. We struggle with confrontation. Oh man, yes. Yeah, right? I, and, and it's a necessary part of life. We, we all have to do it at times. But I think the vast majority of us, uh, and and trauma victims even more so, it uh, it's it's not our default speed. It can be really uncomfortable for a variety of reasons. And when you've grown up either in a family of origin or you've had other relationships, right, that have taught you over time that hey, you speaking you, you speaking the hard, you speaking your your difficult, your pain, your whatever, that's not okay. And there are going to be repercussions for it if you do. Yep. Right. When you when you grow up in those realities, uh, that that sets a real template for later in life. And this happens very commonly if we're being straight because we shoot straight on this podcast. We know that for too many of our listeners, this happens in the marriage dynamic as well. And Mark and I come at this as guys who have never had ego defense mechanisms <laughs> and have never, you know, as recovering addicts, we never shut our wives down or turn them down or, you know, called into question their sanity. And we didn't, we never did those. Things. Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's interesting, Steve, because, you know, you and I, because of, because of what we experienced in the past, uh, 
we come from we come from both sides of this coin. So I not only had great fears about ever expressing my true voice and standing up for myself and and letting you know what was inside out. I, not only could I not do that, but then on the other side of the coin, I also had great struggles receiving that. Yeah. When somebody would when somebody would express their pain uh, toward me that I had caused them. Oh my I also couldn't receive it. So I couldn't express it and I couldn't yes. receive it. Absolutely. Now you're really stuck, right? Totally. You can't do either. No, absolutely. And so you've got all this bottled up stuff, right? Yeah. That, uh, that needs to go out somewhere. Um, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, if we, if we kind of look at how to, there are lots of things that lead us into this place. And, and I know time is sensitive on these, on these podcasts. It goes so fast. So we, we aren't going to spend too much time today talking about the various ways in which these comes up, these come up. Uh, but, but for most of you, I think you can probably relate to some of what we've talked about either from earlier on or in past relationships or in maybe your current marriage relationship. There's this dynamic where that we develop, where there are certain topics, certain elephants in the room that we don't address for various reasons, either because again, we don't feel like we have a voice or what I hear a lot from spouses is also, it's just not worth it. Yes. I, when my wife has been honest with me on more than one occasion in this process, <laughs> she's been very blunt with me about that. She just said, I, I, I wanted, I wanted to talk to you about this, but it's just not worth the hassle. I'm going to get back. It's not worth the resistance or the, or the gaslighting or the shame that you're going to go, the shame train you're going to ride for the next six days or whatever. And so I just don't want to bring it up. It's, it's easier to not. And I've even, I've had spouses say, I also have a fear that if I bring it up, I'm actually going to drive him back into his addiction cycle. Mm, sure. Absolutely. Yep, I'm going to express my truth and then he's going to go look at porn. Yeah. Great. Now I'm really motivated to, to just let, to just let him know how I feel. For sure. <laughs> For sure. Right. And, and, and oftentimes that is, is subtle. Maybe it's not even intentional on the part of an addict, but a wife in many respects, it's easy when you're in that dynamic, right. To be held hostage. Or feel yeah. like you're being held hostage. It's yeah. like, oh yeah, yeah. Be honest. It might end everything, but be, <laughs> be honest. You know, I might, I might, you know, walk off, take a long walk off a short, whatever. And 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 obviously, you got to be sensitive to those issues. But in the long and in the short term, I think those are valid and those need to be addressed. But here's the key, guys, and this is where we're going to shift to kind of the the moving forward process. Um, this is where progress, not perfection, comes into play. When you are dealing with deep-rooted thinking errors and trauma-based realities like this, you have to recognize that, first of all, trauma does not flow on a timeline, nor does recovery from it. No. Um, when we look at, there is no manual for this process. You know, Mark and I are both experts in trauma, both having inflicted it as well as helping people heal from it <laughs> and having had it inflicted on us. And, and, you know, when we look at the different components of overcoming trauma, there is a very real grieving process, right, that goes on with, with this. And, you know, when we look at the stages of grief, most people are probably familiar with Kubler-Ross's stages of grief, seven stages of grief. We won't go through all those today. Um, in some ways, that old theory of, of those seven stages has not held water in the sense that it's not necessarily linear. But in many respects, those seven stages are true. What happens for many of us, though, is that instead of moving like from one to the next to the next, right? And then we get to the end and we say, ah, I am grief free now, right? <laughs> yeah. 
what happens is we end up bouncing around that whole seven, those seven stages and, and some, some in between even like a pinball machine, right? Until we, until we come out the, on, the, on the other side. And for people around that person, if there's been a lot that's been saved up and built up, that can be emotionally exhausting. That can be difficult. Um, and it, it is something that is to be addressed. And we're going to talk about that in just a, just a minute here. Yeah. So, yeah. So the timeline, it bounces all around, you know, we may find, we make progress. Then we go, we go seemingly backwards, right? Oh my gosh. I yeah. thought I was past this. Now I'm revisiting it again. And I consider all of that forward progress. Yes. Just because it doesn't yes. uh, follow a linear line we have in mind, that doesn't mean that it's wrong. Yeah. So I think keeping that in mind that nobody adheres to some standard formula with regard to this. Hey, everybody, Mark and Steve here. Are you looking to take your recovery and your marriage to the next level? We work with individuals and couples one on one. With both in-person and online therapy options, you have access to the experts anytime, anywhere. To learn more, visit us at pbscpodcast.com. I think the other thing that is really was just like incredibly hard for me was this concept of developing new communication skills. Yeah. New communication knowledge that I didn't possess. It wasn't modeled to me. It wasn't mentored to me. In fact, the, 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 the worst communication, I don't know if they're called communication skills. What do you call those that we learn in our family of origin sometimes? <laughs> I don't know if they're skills. Yeah, I was going to say uh, communication disasters, com <laughs> yeah, communication, communication disaster. dumpster fires. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> But I, yeah, I had a very few actual, you know, healthy communication skills. And so part of this is, is having patience with ourselves and each other and realizing I don't really know how to do this very well. Yeah. I didn't learn it. I didn't practice it. You know, nobody really showed me. And so being willing to travel that path of learning new skills and practicing them is really critical. And, you know, you and I, Steve, we talked about, for example, the group setting. Mm -hmm. uh, this listener mentioned. Yes. I love the group setting. <clears throat> I mean, for me, you, you gave it a great word as we were talking. You said the group is the learning crucible, right? It's like, okay, we're going into group. <clears throat> and if it's done right, it's almost like traveling the gauntlet. Yeah. And it, the best groups are the ones that are raw. They're real. Uh -huh. Um, you know, we learn to find our voice in that group, not just in expressing our pain. And, we, and you yes. and I talked about this. Yes, it's important that we be able to vent in group and, and, and express our truth deep down. But the other side of a group is me learning to also speak and help those other people in groups see what they cannot see inside themselves. So if I notice that somebody's been stuck in their pain and we, you know it's eight months in and and he or she just keeps telling the same story over and over and over again, yeah. And I'm feeling in my heart, you know, I really kind of need to help them see that they're kind of stuck. Well, yes. Do I dare say something? Do I actually? Oh no, there might be a confrontation. There might be some conflict. Yes. Oh my gosh, no. Uh -huh. And then we 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 go quiet and we go into the fetal position and we don't speak our truth. And yeah. when we do that. 
we not only don't help them, we also don't help ourselves by progressing along our own path. It's a real disservice to ourselves. Yeah. And so if you're not feeling uncomfortable in group often, it's probably not being done the best way possible because there's a lot of discomfort in group and like, oh, can I say that? Or what, how yes. are they going to react? Are they going to stomp me down like has always happened in the past? Yeah. Or on the other side, did she just say that to me? Excuse me? Yeah. Right? Yep. <laughs> no, I completely agree with what you're saying. I mean, if, if, you're, if you are attending a group where everybody sings Kumbaya every week and there's no contention <laughs> or no conflict of interest or, and you've got, you know, 15 men or women sitting in there, I would say somebody in there is getting screwed. Like somebody's <laughs> lost a voice. Probably a lot of people have lost a voice, right? Because you can't put people like that. We all have, we all come from widely different backgrounds and belief systems and ways of communicating. And, and as we, you, Mark and I talk about on this podcast often, conflict is not in and of itself is not the determiner about what makes a relationship good or bad. It's one of those truths that I see people hold on to and they don't really realize. If we have lots of conflict, that must mean that our relationship sucks. And that's not true. Marriages, spouses, for example, who are honest with one another are going to disagree on big and little things fairly often. It's how you do it. Yep. It's what is your skill set around resolving it, working through it, coming to consensus, working out a compromise, hearing the other person, right? All the things that we talk about on this podcast, those are the things that determine whether the marriage lasts or not, right? Not whether or not there is contention. Yeah, um, we talked about collaborative conflict, yes. which sounds like an oxymoron, but it isn't. <laughs> I can disagree with you if at the end of the day, my intention is that we're going to collaborate. We're yes. trying to come to understanding in unity, even though we're coming from very different places, yeah. right? And I think that's the, what's my intention? And do I have your back? And do you have my back? Whether or not we agree. Yes. You know, and that's the, and that can happen in group. It absolutely totally. is one of the things that can take place. Now, here's a deal with group that I have seen a lot. If you allow it, what you'll find is that all of those individuals in group will bring their personalities to that group. <laughs> they'll bring their families of origin. They'll bring all of their stuff into that group setting. Yeah. And if we don't challenge each other, all that will happen is that each person will settle into their yes. regular personality <clears throat> and their regular habits and the group dynamic will just reflect their, their dynamics outside the group. It, it'll just continue on, same old, same old. Yeah. What will change if we all just sort of settle into our regular standard places? Yep, you're dominant. I'm quiet. You know, you're outspoken. I kind of, you know, I don't dare say anything. Well, yeah. let's just keep all that the same. As, you know, so we leave the group and go back <laughs> into our worlds and do the same thing there. Yeah. Group is where you can change that. Absolutely. Um, but it takes courage. It takes patience. It takes compassion. It takes being open. Uh, but I love group for that reason is you get to, you, when groups get messy and, and everybody's <laughs> kind of flying at each other, I just kind of sit back as a therapist and just smile and say, now we're getting somewhere. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously a lot of these 12 step groups, you know, there isn't uh, there's not a lot of crosstalk involved. Therapy groups are a whole different story. It's true. And I don't um, want to put too much on 12 step because it, it does have its limitations by the nature of how it's, it's designed and organized. So let's be fair. Sure. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. But I think even within that context, you know, Mark and I were talking about this beforehand in, in the 12 step group that I attend weekly and have for the better part of nine years now, um, there are some set readings at the beginning of every, every single meeting. Uh, and there are only two passages that are read that the whole group says all at once. The first is the serenity prayer, which most of you are probably pretty familiar with. You can find that if you're not. Um, but uh, the other one is in this group, we practice principles before personalities. Yes. And what a profound concept for any relationship. Yes. Right. Um, personality matters, but when it starts to, but when our fears, our insecurities are whatever, they start to disrupt the, the principalities that guide us, that define us, that make us who we are. Those external fears, those anxieties, those whatever, they are robbing us of what we call that authentic self. Right. right. We filter our voice through them. And the degree to which we do that is the degree to which we can potentially lose ourselves in any given relationship or setting. Yep. And we so empathize with both you wives as well as you spouses. And let's talk to the, to the guys here for a second. Um, we, I, I was being very sarcastic at the beginning. Apologize. I, I tend to do that a lot. Um, but Mark <laughs> and I are no strangers by any means to being pain avoidant. Um, this happened. I mean, still, I think it's a, it's, it's something that happens, even, even if it's in small ways. I, I'm, I'll put myself on the chopping block. This happened with my wife just last night. She's going to listen to this in like three days and chuckle. because <laughs> she knows what I'm talking about. It was just some little silly thing that she brought up. She wanted me to help, me to help her with something. It was super late at night. And I kind of threw a 30-second little mini temper tantrum of just like, oh, why do we have to do this at you know, 10 o'clock at night? We're, I'm so tired, you know, da 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 and she was really kind and loving. And she, among other things, she said, you know, when, when you get like that, you know, it just, it makes it, it it's, it's tempting almost not to bring these things up. Mm -hmm. Right. I almost just, it's easier just not to say something because it's, <laughs> you know, my 30 second ask is met by a five minute rebuttal. <laughs> and we could have done half of what I'm asking you to do in the time we did that. Yeah. And so immediately, of course, I, I, again, not perfect in this process, but recognizing the fault there and having practiced this a lot, instead of this being historically what would have been like no, no physical, emotional, or any sort of contact for two weeks, <laughs> what this was, was a 10-minute was a, yeah, discussion where I was able to de-escalate and come back down and, and confront my pride and my ego and say, you know what, you're right. And to stop doubling down on that, right? To stop rising up. So this is something that is an ongoing thing. And, and really the common factor here, guys, is, is whether you're an addict who's struggling in recovery, and, both in your own and in your marriage, or whether you're a spouse in recovery from, from very different perspectives, we all need to do a better job at consistently leaning into the pain. Um, yeah. Right. And that was, that was one of the toughest concepts for me in my own recovery and healing was leaning into the pain. Are you insane? Yes. No, no. You run from the pain. You avoided it at all costs, right? <laughs> you talk about us, you know, being pain avoidant. That was, you know, that, those were my first credentials. Mark, Mark B. Castleman, pain avoidant, PA. After pain my pain avoider. Yeah. Pain avoider. <laughs> that was one of, that was my main credential. And I was just, and it was because of the trauma and the abuse and all the stuff. We just learned this, this is, this hurts too much. I'm tired yes. of hurting. And so I'm just going to shut it down. 
And <clears throat> part of the hardest part of healing and recovery is learning to do just the opposite of what your survival brain is screaming at you that you must do. And that's to lean into it. Um, and, and so that's both, it's both me as an addict, hearing my wife's pain and not running and avoiding or shutting her down or all of this learning to hear it and yeah. to believe it. And I had to work on that for years and years. And, and today I have to tell you, whenever she expresses pain now, which happens sometimes, now I see it as an opportunity. My wife is in pain. Oh, yeah. wow. This is a chance for us to connect. This is a chance for me to be her protector, her friend, her confidant, right? Wow, I can step into this place because my wife is hurting. Yeah. And it took a long time to get there because I would always take it totally personal. And all of my ego defense buttons would just fire off. Yes. And I couldn't go to that place of, of taking her in my arms and just letting her just tell her truth. Yes. So it takes a lot of practice and work to do that. And the other side of that is on the spouse side is the spouse being able to find her voice of speaking her truth, Yep. right? Advocating for her own feelings. And, and that's not easy. Like you said, your wife said, well, it's just not worth it because I know Steve's <laughs> hammer is going to come down on me. <laughs> Thankfully, it's like a ball peen hammer now instead of, oh, yeah, instead of a 50 big pound mallet. sledge I used to keep. <laughs> Exactly. Yes. <laughs> emotionally, guys, just emotionally, never physically. Just want to clarify. Right, right, so, right. Yes. yes. And you, you know, you use a term that I love, uh, and I had to, I, I had to be willing to learn it in my own recovery. It's this thing called shame resiliency. Yeah. Right. Yep. Oh boy, here comes my wife expressing her pain, and I'm just going to sit here and take it. Mm -hmm. Can I do that? Can I don't I don't the term take it is not right. I, I like to, to think of it as receive. Mm -hmm. Can I receive this? Uh, because this is, she's bearing her soul. And am I going to be a safe place to receive it? Yes. Can I, without me going into my, becoming my own stuff, yeah. right? The whole codependency scenario yes. uh, that we so easily fall into. Well, let's, you know, let's jump and give all these listeners an assignment, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you and I are so passionate about this topic, but what can they do? Like, what can they do right now? Yes, let's do that. So there's, and, and I, before I forget, I will just say, if there's anything we recognize that this podcast could have been like a half hour episode on like six different subtopics in it. <laughs> yeah, so sure. if, if any of you would like to hear more about any of these, again, we are, we are open, please please visit us at pbsepodcast.com. Again, that's pbsepodcast.com and you can uh, submit something on our, our contact form. Let us know if you'd like to hear more about this uh, or any of these topics. Um, but yeah, beginning, a beginning point for, for working on this massive undertaking because for many of us, <laughs> yeah. this is really a, is a lifelong journey, right? Yep. Um, but for, So let's break it down by spouse and addict. So for, for you spouses, uh, if you aren't already doing this, uh, and if you are, maybe do it in a more in-depth way, we're going to have you start outlining and journaling out those feelings in, in your relation, in different relationships, be it your marriage or otherwise, that hold you back because they're never spoken or never addressed. So those elephants in the room that are never talked about because of, you know, this, that, or the other. Um, and, and again, this is just an explore, a self-exploration piece. 
what to do with this information is a topic more better geared for like working with a therapist, but at least begin to identify and, and working on those things. Um, if you don't want to start with your marriage, again, start with something maybe less sensitive. You might have a real strong fear response around even doing this in theory with your partner. So begin with your mother-in-law, begin with your, your, you know, your, your sister you're disenfranchised from, begin with whoever, and, and then kind of go from there. Uh, and then once you, as you start to percolate that, those thoughts, actually put that down into an actual letter to that person, be it your spouse, be it somebody else. If you had a voice and you were to really speak your truth with them about issues and concerns that too often have gone unspoken, talked about, how would you do it? What would you say? How would you, how would you do that vulnerably? How would you express the anger in an appropriate way, but in a way that allows you to, to connect with and collaborate with that person and build on that? Okay, so there's a lot of, a lot of exploring that way. And the other one for, for, you, uh, for you addicts, right? Uh, for us addicts, I should say. Since yeah, we, for us we throw, our, yes. we throw ourselves in that category. Uh, we, we're going to have you begin exploring your wife's trauma in your journaling. This is something that I, I know, we know that you guys are probably, many of you are averse to journaling in general. And now I'm going to ask you to do the most diverse form of journaling possible, which is going to be looking at, at your wife's trauma. If you were to explore that a little bit and to look at her pain on paper and to try and practice some empathy in a written form, what are those uh, what are those things that that she likely is holding back from you or could be holding back? Why is she holding those things back? What ego defense mechanisms? We've talked about what those are in the past or or other thinking errors or forms of manipulation like gaslighting, do you employ when those things come up? Um, uh, you know when when it comes to your your pride, your shame, possibly your own trauma, you know, where do, where do those things rise up? Just the other night when I had that experience with my wife, it was so interesting because I've been doing recovery for a while. So I had these two voices. There's like the old Steve talking and like starting to go into whiny mode. <laughs> and then while at the same time, there's this other guy inside that was just like, come on, man. Like, this is old stuff. Like, this doesn't work. <laughs> and so it's important to be looking at those things and start recognizing, you know, what which of those behaviors aren't really leading to any progress. And still start, start journaling that out and writing that out. Writing that out in an honest way is going to help you to be honest uh, with yourself and also to be able to start getting more honest and advocating for yourself with your spouse. Yeah, there's two sides to that. There's not only me writing about the ways that I'm creating uh, perhaps an unsafe environment where my wife can't be totally open. Yeah. But there's also me being really super honest and open about my feelings and what's going on with me. You know, and I found uh, in, in this in this exercise, the most important things for you, both um, uh, men and women to write about in this journaling is the thing that you don't dare write about. Yes. The thing that you're keeping way down inside there. Well, I'll do this exercise, but not about that. Yeah. That's actually the thing that you really want to begin to explore is the most important thing that you're, you're holding back most or burying most. Absolutely. Um, so that's our that's our assignment to you. And uh, again, love spending time with all of you and, and looking forward to being with you again next week. Have a great recovery week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. That's all for today. Thanks for joining us. And remember, the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, it's connection. Together, we can do the impossible. 
To learn more about Mark and Steve and to listen to more podcast episodes, visit us at pbscpodcast.com. Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.